Hello Cult Hackers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen, I'm an organisational psychologist. I'm also very interested in cults because I was raised in a cult or high control group. Um, I left when I was about 30 and I'm Celine's father. I am your father. Okay, very dramatic there. That felt intense, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Ooh. Yes. To be fair, a lot of people do call their parents father and mother. When mm. I was at uni, a lot of the really? um, European students oh. said father or mother, which sounded very dramatic to us, but I mm. think it was just using, you know, you do use proper English. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to think, oh, it's quite formal. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, well, I suppose um, male um, pronouns or, mm-hmm. or um, is is kind of what we're talking Some about suffixes, today. suffixes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're actually... Um, I, it's, so it's a topic that I've suggested us talk about, um, and it's actually a topic that I did do as part of the Cult Hackers Extra for our patrons. So um, sometimes I do a scripted podcast just for the patrons. Um, not done one for a while, but I, I will start getting onto that again. So, by the cheeky way, reminder. Yeah, exactly. Be a patron. Be We're a rubbish patron. at doing that at the beginning. So, you know. We are. We are. We, mm-hmm. we get everything wrong. Um, <laughs> We're terrible at our job. In, yeah, in yeah. terms of trying to promote ourselves, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we just think that if you do a good podcast, people will listen. Um, and anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so, I, I did do this topic, and it's really about men. Um, we have talked about the very specific problems that women have in cults and high control groups um and obviously that depending on the group it can be very different things uh the the one that i was brought up in fundamentalist sort of christian outlook on life um so we want to talk about that because it obviously relates to men as well as women and so we've talked a lot about the the particular challenges for women who leave and their lack of um, sometimes education and opportunity even less so than, than the males had um, and all sorts of things we've spoken I think to way more leavers who are women than men uh, yeah. we've listened to the stories of female leavers of groups um, I don't know why that is do you know why that is Celine? Um obviously this is based on nothing yeah. uh, but in terms of just saying why I'd think I imagine there is a lot of uh effectively women are in these groups are often silenced so you know a desire to speak out about what happened to you um after the fact is probably quite strong um yeah you know your voice was not wanted or valued mm. a lot of the time so you know the opportunity to say actually my opinion is valid and what happened to me i'm going to talk about it I imagine it's quite. Yeah, I think so. I, mm. I I do get the feeling that there are more women who are coming out talking about their experience than there are men. Um, there are some men that we haven't had on that have um, that, that talk about their experience. So we probably need to do a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting. But I thought we we really should address the male perspective. So let's let's focus on that because i think there are some very specific things there as well so i suppose the reason i'm making this point up front is that by no means um am i as a as a man trying to say that men had it worse in any way or you know it's it's or even as bad you know so it's not really about comparing one against the other but i think it's just sort of acknowledging that every year there will be hundreds of thousands if not millions of men coming out of these groups 
um, all sorts of different groups. Um, and I guess there's likely to be some specific issues that men have to contend with. And so I thought it would be useful to talk about some of that today. Mm-hmm. So that's really, um, and normally um, the way, as I say, we're rubbish at kind of promoting ourselves. Uh, normally what happens is we do the podcast, we edit, or I edit the podcast, um, do all that, and then I upload it onto the platform that we use. Um, and then I think, oh, what we're going to call it. <laughs> so instead, <laughs> of, then um, I have to think of something like quite quickly because you only get a certain amount of time before you mm. it logs you out, at which point you you then have to start again. So um, it tends to be quite a last minute thing, the, mm-hmm. the title. But this one occurred to me as I was cycling um, the other day, mm. uh, preparing for my Land's End to John O'Groats. Um, another you reminder. You donate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, we're on fire. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it just occurred to me that the title should be The Descent of Man. The descent of spicy. Man. spicy. I thought it was quite spicy and a play, obviously, on Charles Darwin's book, mm-hmm. The Descent mm-hmm. of Man. But here we're not talking about the ancestry of mankind. We're talking about the other sense of the word descent, which is to kind of go down. Um, so in some respects, the the way that men who were in high control groups often, and not always, but often they are quite misogynistic and patriarchal. And part of what I found as a man leaving that group is I felt I needed to readjust the way that I thought about all of that, you know, kind of the patriarchy and my own mm. thinking around uh, roles of, of men and women, women and all of mm-hmm. that. Um, so should so, yeah. we jump straight in? Mm. Um, so I'm going to kind of take more of a questioning approach okay. today um, as as the not man of this duo. Mm. <laughs> um, so I suppose, do you do do you personally feel like you can tell you have a marked difference in how you view uh, men and women now than you than did? I did when I was mm. uh, was oh absolutely, and I really yeah. hope that um, mm-hmm. that is the case. Um, mm-hmm. Because I didn't know you before, yeah. if you That's think, right. you know, I was I was but a blob, um, a freshly new blob in the world. So when you were leaving, so you know, I I, I don't have a reference for who you yeah, were. We, we before didn't and who we you didn't think now. of you as as just a blob, Celine. You were our dear baby daughter. <laughs> well, you know, but to me, but a blob. Okay. Uh, Pass me as butter blob. I don't know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So of course you didn't. You didn't. So. Um, most of our listeners, I guess, have some experience of these sorts of groups. So maybe we don't want to labour it too much about the experience mm. of uh, men and women and the way that it's it's all sort of structured. But I, I think it's useful to to do at mm-hmm. least some of that. Um, so the and of course, depending on which group, um, I've been watching the Shiny Happy People which mm. is the documentary about the Duggars. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally recommend anybody to watch that if you've not watched that yet. Um, of course, that I would say is fairly extreme in its the way that it portrays or the way that it uh, it treats women um, and men. Um, but certainly, I suppose from my perspective, I was raised to think that um, there was a very clear hierarchy that God had put in place 
And that hierarchy was that you had Jehovah God as the creator of the universe. He had delegated a lot to his son, Jesus Christ. So remembering that Jehovah's Witnesses are not Trinitarians, so they don't believe they're all the same. Mm. So you've got Jehovah God at the top. Imagine umbrellas, and you see mm. this um, visual quite a lot in these sorts of groups. So you have a big umbrella, and that's where Jehovah God sits. He's he's the overall boss of everything. Well, it's and very then, business approach, isn't it? He's the CEO. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then... You've got, well, I would say he's not the CEO. He's kind of like the business owner or yeah. even chairman, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then underneath that, I think you've got the chief executive officer, which is Jesus, you know. So mm -hmm. he's the one who who does stuff, you know. He's mm -hmm. the mover and the shaker. Mm -hmm. um, and he's the one that's going to be in charge of the armies at Armageddon and all that. But it, mm -hmm. it, he's in charge of the congregation, mm -hmm. uh, the only one true congregation, of course. But he's, so he's the boss of the congregation. And uh, that's the idea anyway. And then under Jesus, it depends how, if you want to start talking about angels and stuff, but I think for, for most of us, we then saw um, underneath that may or may not be the congregation itself. Um, and let's say underneath that is the man. Mm. Uh, and by the man, I don't mean the sort of generic man. I mean, men, all men of their families. Mm. So the, the family is, is the unit. Yeah, that's right. Is the, that's right. And so, so for all families, the line manager is the male in the mm. house. So um, obviously if it's a, if it's a family with children, then dad is the person that is the boss. Mm -hmm. um he then has his wife so the wife sits underneath his so she's like his i suppose the, the supervisors or the team leaders that that the uh the line manager might have so he can delegate lots of tasks to the woman and she also has her kind of god defined roles in in regards child rearing or um that sort of thing so there'll be some sort of um assumption about what she's going to be good at and what she's going to do she she generally would look after the children and do things like cooking and cleaning and those sorts of roles so if you're listening to this and you're literally recoiling then <laughs> i agree you should and it is i i hate that way of thinking about the world but there are still many many millions of people who believe that is the god designed way this mm. all should work mm -hmm. um the man's role is to earn money to keep the family afloat and so he's a breadwinner he goes out to work and earns money and then that the woman essentially does all the family business um he's responsible for the spiritual um teaching of the children but again he may delegate that to his wife to a large degree so she will also do things but she wouldn't hold let's say a family bible study if he was in the house that would be his mm. job and in fact um, it wouldn't be really acceptable for the woman to, let's say, have a family Bible study if if he was around. Um, he should be doing that. I seem to remember you get into those situations where the woman might start having to wear a headscarf or something like that. Yeah, if a headscarf yeah. is not available, then tea towel will do. Yeah, that mm. sort of thing. Um, to signify that she respects her husband's authority. And that would be the case... If the if the husband wasn't a witness, so he, she, you know, she, she may have come into the organisation uh, while they were married. She would have to stay married to him, um, or maybe she'd done a bad thing and married outside. 
of the of the organization but even so if she wanted to be in good standing she couldn't and just sort of usurp his role even though he's not a, a worshiper she'd mm. have to do these things to show that she still respected the headship of the man because that was god's arrangement mm. um so yeah i've not really talked about all that um, much on this podcast but it, when i think about it now it is really quite bizarre um and obviously I've been out a long time and it was a long time since I was a, a child sort of seeing mm. all this. So I don't know how the organization has developed. Maybe it's um, slightly different now. I don't know. But anyway, that was, that was the way that things were for me. So that's the environment in which I grew up in and um, that all, all the responsibility in the congregation. So if you wanted um, to, well, basically things that had to be done, like making sure that the hall gets cleaned, the maintenance of the kingdom hall, the organizing the territory for the witnessing work, um, literature, the microphones, um, all, every single job has to be done, essentially has to be led by a man. So the person in charge would be a man, normally a ministry or servant. And, they, of course, then would give people jobs to do. So they, women would do some of those jobs. So, you know, they'd assign people to do the cleaning and uh, those sorts of things. But um, the, any sort of role of leadership would be the man. Um, and most of the activities would be men. So only men did the microphones, only men did the literature counter, only men looked after their territory and all of that. So that was the way it was. And we've often talked about this as being a restriction on women's ability to, you know, find a sort of niche for themselves in the congregation. I think it's absolutely right. They they had very little opportunity to do that. And one of the things that I think is so damaging that women grow up not sort of thinking that they they have opportunity to actually do some slightly more interesting stuff than just sitting there listening to some guy drone on well yeah Look, yeah you know, and, yeah you know when the men do talk mm. about important things you can make cakes and that's you can right, yeah. bring cups of tea yay, yay. Um, so yeah <laughs> i'm that... making a cake as much as the next person but you know on my own terms <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah so that was the environment and again this is not unique to jehovah's witnesses this um fundamental christianity kind of has this very uh, very sort of specific way of thinking about uh, men and women's roles. And, um, you know, some conservative politicians, um, certainly in the US, but actually increasingly so in the UK, we've we've started to seemingly see some politicians who think that this is the way forward. You know, actually, we need to go forward by looking back and uh, resurrecting these old practices. Actually, these are, you know, the way that it works best. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so obviously I reject all those ideas, um, but I suppose that the point is, is if you've been raised in that environment and then you leave, you've got a lot of of readjustment to do then, or not, you know. I mean, it may be, and I suppose my question is, um, is it possible that, or is it likely that when you leave as a man, you still hold on knowingly or unknowingly to some of these attitudes Mm. to women and to men and to these roles so what what do you think about well I think it might be different in different cases in the sense of as we often discuss the differences between born in and join uh, because I think um yeah joining later you might have had a different upbringing as a child 
um, where you might not necessarily have been raised in a patriarchal house itself because you've obviously as a born in you would have had a patriarchal home as well as a patriarchal church um so you know you've got it coming in your its way of life in in all capacities i suppose in those formative years that was what you were being raised in and so i suppose like you said the the return to self putting that in sort of air quotes as um this is often discussed in Mm. these books and um, academic material is different if Mm. you if you were raised in it um Mm. i guess yeah you've got to instead of going okay i think i'll go back to who i was before or preferred that person you've got to rebuild Mm. or build (laughs) for the first time all these new things so i imagine it might be um well i'll throw to you do you think it would be more difficult um, uh, i think yeah i mean obviously it's a case-by-case basis yeah. if you like people are different and their experience before they went into the cult um, mm-hmm. will also be different so mm-hmm. maybe they were kind of generally misogynistic then maybe mm-hmm. they came mm-hmm. from a very tra- so again air quotes traditional mm-hmm. um home life where mm-hmm. the man was very dominant anyway and mm-hmm. so for them it didn't sort of uh make that much difference so yeah it depends uh, very much but i think in general as a general rule mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's more difficult um for you if you've been raised in it to rewire all your thinking i mean this is this is why we call the podcast what should i think about dot dot question mark when we first started it Mm -hmm. um some people got the idea that we were telling people what they should think about but no it was like this is the question that everybody's asking Mm. what that when you leave it certainly was the question i was asking myself Mm. what should i think about that what should Mm. i think about this what should i think about the other so Mm. yeah that's the that's the problem and this is one of those topics what should i think about the relationship between men and women do you remember kind of um because it's such a weird thing to try and think about how you think mm. if you know what i mean because the way we think is so jumbled and it's like you know when you watch superhero movies and they can hear people's thoughts yes. and it's like coherent mm. <laughs> and you just think i don't think coherently <laughs> um <laughs> you know it's bits and it's jumbled but yeah you know ignoring that i suppose do do you remember kind of considering or I'm a man. What does that mean, effectively? Or like, I want to be quite, quite a good man. Is this what a good man is? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know exactly what you mean. Uh, I think when I first left, actually, um, I think I thought that most of what I've been taught was good and right, mm-hmm. um, apart from the the doctrines Mm. so actually the reason i left and this is this is again depends on the person and why you leave but the reason i left was because i just couldn't hold on to those doctrines and beliefs the end of the world um the bible as the inerrant word of god um creation of adam and eve um the flood all of these things i just couldn't believe them because they were so fantastical Mm -hmm. and ridiculous and so i just couldn't hold that anymore but i actually thought the the way of life the way that i'd lived the way that i'd been brought up was absolutely the best way Mm -hmm. so i think um i we just carried on and of Mm -hmm. course if you're married that the the wife uh will 
you know that their experience also is relevant to this conversation we, i have spoken with with sarah my wife on your mum on the podcast and we've talked a little bit about this um but i guess the way we did it we pretty much carried on mm. doing the same and mm-hmm. if i'm honest i think i still saw myself as the the head of the family and the one that would have to make the decisions ultimately because that's another thing that i didn't mention so the man um in the world that i grew up in the the man would make the final decision it's not to say that they wouldn't discuss it with the wife and talk it through and if they were a good husband hopefully they would um you know very much take into consideration what the woman wanted but ultimately he would have the final word so even if, let's say, the man wanted to move house, go and serve where the need was greater or something like that, um, if the woman really didn't want to do that, if the wife didn't want to do it, ultimately he he could still say, look, I think it's the right thing for the family um, and we're going to do it. And he would expect his wife to go along with that. Mm-hmm. Now, where I think about it now, I mean, obviously I find that really awful, but um I think that's how I felt even when I'd left in the early days. I think I felt the same. I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable expressing it, but I, I think I carried on thinking that that I was responsible for the family. Also primarily on me to to keep the you know, to earn a living because mm-hmm. the man is the breadwinner and those sorts of attitudes. So yeah, I think I did still have those attitudes when I left. Um, and it took it took a long time for me to rethink all of that stuff. So let's um, focus on that bit for a second. Did you did you like it? <laughs> yeah, so, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think with so so yes, we're talking about power here to some degree, mm, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and I just think, I guess living in that structure yeah, did was yeah. that a, was that an enjoyable structure to live in? Are you happy? Um, I think there's some benefits to power and there's some negatives to power. So one of the mm-hmm. benefits to power is that, you know, ultimately you can get your way. Mm-hmm. You can get your own way. Um, and I think most human beings kind of like to get their own way uh, most of the mm-hmm. time. You know, that's that's kind of natural. But as a man, as the male of the house, I thought that that's, you know, ultimately. And I suppose I expected that um so i'm just being really honest here Mm -hmm. these are not things i like about myself or liked uh, when i think back i think you know these are not admirable qualities Mm -hmm. but i i just trying to say that this is i guess likely when you leave a group when you've been raised to believe all this stuff and Mm -hmm. so that yeah that is that's the good bit of it i think that the bad bit and, and i became increasingly aware of this and increasingly feeling that that this was a problem is that you end up with all this stuff on your shoulders mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily want. Um, and I started to feel tired of that and it becomes a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was part of my rethinking. It was, you know, well, wouldn't it be better if actually it wasn't, we didn't actually have a hierarchy, but we literally just, work together it was a partnership Mm -hmm. an equal partnership where neither of us had a veto 
or maybe both of us have a veto, you know, but certainly I don't. And mm -hmm. it's it's a joint decision and everything we do. Um, and ultimately, you know, if if we don't like it, um, we don't like each other, then we can also decide that we want to end the relationship. You know, these are these are options that we mm -hmm. sort of had to come to terms with. And so I think there was a period of, of adjustment and readjustment um, over years. It took years. Yeah. Um, obviously as a child you wouldn't really have been aware of any of that stuff happening mm -hmm. but I think that yeah that's that's how I felt at the time yeah I imagine so at some point yeah I'll try and phrase it in a, a, a generic way I suppose in the negative it sounds like it would be quite isolating yeah um because yeah you don't yeah, I suppose, and there's pressure as well for yeah. if your decision is the final decision, there's pressure for it to have been the right decision. Um, and, you know, even if the other person doesn't say, well, I knew this wasn't a good idea, you know, you still, that's that's quite a lot of pressure. Um, did, I guess, yeah, did you, did the men ever, like, talk about things? You know, if you were making decisions and things like this, would you and talk to other men because they were other decision makers you know like yeah i, I guess so. colleagues so to speak <laughs> i think what you probably do um is you'd speak to family members perhaps um other family members that were male and mm -hmm. talk about if you had a difficult decision to make maybe you'd confide in some friends and they would always be a male because you know you'd you'd really only take advice from a man generally speaking um that's not for everything i mean i did have some uh female friendships which were just completely platonic and i did um talk to them for advice but that was more sort of advice about girls i think so mm. i didn't have any sisters so um i did have a couple of um friends in the congregation that i felt i could talk to which actually i found really valuable because i didn't have that female voice otherwise so that was really useful but when it comes to making decisions for my family you know it would it would have been another man mm -hmm. probably a family member or an elder in the congregation that i i felt i could talk to mm -hmm. um so yeah you would you would only go to men to sort of give you advice about that in in general that that's mm -hmm. how it's structured and it's not like there's a rule it's like you know rule number five on the how to be a man handbook you know but that mm -hmm. was just it was just you wouldn't consider that it's there's not much point in asking women advice for that sort of thing you know mm. um again these are these are sexist attitudes and um yeah. um but just just the way that that i sort of thought of things and and there is precedent you know if you think about the bible um which jehovah's witnesses say they base everything on i mean that's debatable but um if you think about the characters in the Bible, I mean, you think about the big characters in the Bible, who are the characters that everybody knows about, you know, and certainly that as, a, as I was growing up, you know, think about some of the characters um, you're talking about uh, people like Noah, mm -hmm. Abraham, Lot, um, Cain, Abel. Cain, Abel, Adam, um, then you know looking at things like uh some of the judges uh, in israel and some of the kings you know yeah. jehu was a judge um he was a a reckless driver um mm -hmm. and he's known for it and um 
King Josiah, who was like a fundamentalist. He resurrected fundamentalism essentially in Israel, mm. um, but known as a, as good King Josiah. Um, David, of course, one of the most important characters, mm. great warrior, um, slayed um, the giant uh, Philistine and um, also killed many, many men um, in lots of brutal ways. Um yeah, all of these all of these characters are are very dominant, very masculine mm-hmm. in the traditional old fashioned sense, I suppose. Um, what women characters do we have in the Bible? Well, just we've ones got... that make um, bad decisions, sexy decisions, um, <laughs> which are equal to bad decisions. Um, that's it, really. Oh, or the impossible woman, obviously, who is good, um, Mary. Mary, yeah. But but what do we know about Mary? She's a virgin. (laughs) And that is good. That's all we know, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really? What do we know about Mary? Do we know what sort of mother she was? Do we know how um, she coped with the accusations about her? And um, do we know? Yeah. So we don't know anything about Mary at all. Um, We don't know much about Joseph also so that's that's also true mm-hmm. um but really we don't know much about any women i mean um i, I did when i was uh, thinking about this for my uh little scripted mm. court hackers extra i tried to think about them and i thought about there's ruth and naomi and uh, ruth and naomi is a tale of loyalty essentially so you've got this uh, these two women who, who essentially look after each other and um it's a very touching story, but um, so that's like, again, a very, I suppose, traditional female type story, loyalty and love. Um, you've got Esther, which is if you read that that account of Esther, it's hard not to describe that as a tale of sex trafficking, mm-hmm. sex trafficking and political intrigue, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got um, the uh, so there's a lot of harlotry. I have mm-hmm. to say, as I said, the, 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 there's bad decisions and the sexy decisions, and they're basically yeah. the same. <laughs> so there's a lot of that, um, but yeah, there's no real, there's not many. There's there's one or two characters. Deborah was was one, I think, but they're they're kind of bit part players, really, mm. in the big the grand scheme. So they're all male. If you look at all the pictures of, like you know, these kind of crazy mm. illustrations of angels waiting to come and um, destroy the wicked at Armageddon or, you know, these are all herds of not herds, but um, armies of white bearded Mm. men on horseback. I like the Um, idea that they're herds. I think we we run with that. (laughs) The angels are herds. Yeah. What's the collective noun for angels? A herd of angels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, um, it's all about men. So no surprise, I would suggest that um that you know that's the way that the the congregation behaved. And the first century congregation, you know, you have the apostle Paul um basically saying, you know, women should stay silent and um uh women shouldn't be teachers and so on. So um it's in a way, it's hard not to come to that conclusion if you're mm. actually trying to follow the Bible. And so this is where I think I part ways with some progressive Christians who who claim that the Bible isn't sexist and it doesn't actually 
um, preach that. Well, no, it does because that is the way that society. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to use it in a different way and maybe just use the stories as like, you know, just stories to use, then that's one thing. But yeah, I mean, you can't escape the fact of yeah, literally what's written down in the book and everything. You know. Hey-ho. <laughs> you have absolutely brutal. I mean, women are generally, it's about their bodies and, um, yeah. you know, their, yeah, their obedience. That That's really mm-hmm. what you're looking for from women is, is obedience. There's mm-hmm. quite a bit of description about beauty and so on, um, but not mm-hmm. much around, you know, uh, well, certainly no leadership as such, um, mm-hmm. certainly in, in the 99% of mm-hmm. it. So, so- yeah. That's the way it was. So obviously there's different aspects of being a man for you. So obviously there's just your selfhood, if you just think of you as a man, you know, without association to others, sort of spoken a little bit about as a husband. Obviously when you were um, at a position where you thought you would like to have a partner, um, you've mentioned before and kind of laughed when you've mentioned it that you were looking for a spiritual wife um, yeah do you want to talk about that a little bit because I feel like we always mention it and then um so what does that mean well first of all it just reminds me there was a there's a scripture somewhere that we, we used to quote which was um and I, I I do apologize I can't remember where in the bible it is yes. um it may have been in Proverbs somewhere, but um, a capable wife, who can find? It goes like that. And we always used to laugh at that, you know, a capable wife, who can find one, you know? Um, <laughs> so rude. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I suppose. Okay, so we're digging down into deeper stuff than I, I expected on this podcast. Um, you can skip it if you want. No, no, We say fine. that to the guests all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's quite a funny sentiment because that's you know when we've mentioned before it feels very um oh what is it like pride and prejudice sort yes. of. like yeah. you know so the idea of like i can imagine like watching a film where like everyone's milling around the hall and then the voiceover comes on and it's like you know the task of finding a spiritual wife and then you know and then it's like you know i can imagine it because <laughs> it feels like a setup for like a pride and prejudice-esque things that's why it's quite funny but (laughs) yeah I I mean I think um um I found that time of my life Mm -hmm. unbelievably difficult Mm -hmm. and which is sad because it's actually really painful yeah Yeah. it was incredibly painful for for a couple of reasons and I've spoken a little bit about this before but um I had a terrible skin condition when I was um a teenager and then into my early twenties, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt really ugly and unattractive. Um, and one thing about Jehovah's witnesses is, you know, we know how we knew how to dress up and look smart, you know, um, it may be smart in a very narrow kind of sense, you know, but in terms of, wearing a, mm-hmm. a suit and uh, and the women would dress very in a very feminine way and um traditionally fe- feminine way i suppose and for a young man in his sort of late teens um you know there were lots of women my age that i would look at and think i've got absolutely no chance with her you know there was no would be no way i but i was still obviously very 
attracted to um, these sisters, as we'd call them. Um, and so I, I was very kind of frustrated by that in the fact that I couldn't, you know, but I was very kind of, I was well respected in the congregation, uh, I think. And um, so people liked me as a, as a brother. And, mm. you know, I, I was kind of quite, I, I did a lot of stuff. I, I, I was on sort of building committees mm-hmm. and um, uh, I gave talks on the platform. So I was fairly out there in terms of uh, a profile, but it didn't make me feel kind of, oh, you know, I've got my pick of, of who I want. I mm. felt that I was um, too ugly, really, to to find somebody that that I would find attractive. And I mean, that in itself is fairly shallow. You know, it was quite a shallow sort of, um, I, I was looking at looks really. And that's You're a, very a teen shallow... at this point. Though, I, am, I think all teens are quite shallow. Yeah. I, don't, so, I wouldn't put that um, yeah. against yourself. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was, that was my experience. I, I think that's the other thing to remember is, is I think that sometimes we can get the impression that, and I want to kind of come on to this when when we leave, because I think that's a big part of why I wanted to talk about this. Mm. But it, it's not quite, it's not like, oh, all men, it's like the world is their oyster in these organisations, you know. Mm-hmm. There were some young uh, men around my age, young boys or, or teenagers, whatever, early 20s, who, you know, kind of, I think, did have an air of... Um, self-righteousness up themselves Mm. you know they they were kind of good looking and um uh but very dominant and um they good in the uh, good at giving talks and um they did all those things but they're also had the other part of the package you know and they would be the ones who'd get who'd get all the interest from the girls you know Mm. um so yeah some for some it was great it was like you have you have your pick i guess um if you can describe that as great (laughs) um but for for people like me it wasn't and and i wasn't the worst you know so one of the things that i did want to mention was how um there is a very kind of very narrow ideal for what a male Jehovah's Witness should be like if Mm -hmm. you want to be kind of up there and respected. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a, um, there's a sort of ideal look, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's kind of. um, Very smart, uh, clean. Exactly. Yeah. Clean Mm -hmm. cut. um, Very, very clean cut. Also, Mm -hmm good communicator very uh gregarious very easy to talk to um good at, at giving talks going on the ministry a lot um also quite quite good at taking on responsibility so willing to Probably shoulder very that responsibility venn diagram of like a a, a, a high-end salesperson than a um upper echelons of the j-dubs <laughs> you have absolutely hit it and there are lots of salesmen in the mm. organization who were elders and so on yeah so that's that sort of i think that sort of person um so then you get so i think i was kind of i was lucky in that i was a good communicator i could talk to people i was good at giving talks i was so as i had some of those things but i didn't have the confidence and the swagger mm. that some of these other guys had um, however, there were others in the congregation around my age who were just kind of weird, um, sort of gawky, not no good at sport, 
didn't really give a talk very well, kind of mumbled or they were just shy or just a bit awkward. Um, also quite ugly. Um, and they, they were like, they were the bottom of the pile really, you know? Mm. So again, it's not like every male in the organization has this, um, kind of easy route. Um, there were some pretty sl- slightly sad figures and, and a lot of them left the organization, mm-hmm. I think mainly because they just didn't fit. They didn't yeah. fit this image of what a super Jehovah's Witness man should be like. And so, you know, people talk about this community aspect and that's what people talk about missing for the, there are people we also talk to that have been like, actually, I didn't ever have that. Um, yeah. It's because, yeah, they didn't fit this um, masculine archetype. That's right. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. Yeah, and you've also said as well in the past actually about some of the ones that are that did stay, they married more powerful women um, and they'd be looked down on for having a more powerful Mm. woman um which is just crappy isn't it (laughs) yeah so that's right so if you if you were a man who just wasn't particularly dominant character um maybe not not as intelligent as the woman he married um and actually didn't have the leadership skills but she does um, for me, that's an absolutely fine arrangement. You know, why why should you worry about that? But in the organization, he would struggle to be, he wouldn't be used very much in the organization. Wouldn't be taken seriously no, as a no. because yeah, your manhood is important yeah. and it's not being it's being undermined by your wife. Men had to wear the trousers. Mm as they say. Mm. Um, so it had, um, you know, you wouldn't be made a minister or servant or an elder if your wife was too dominant or bossy yeah. or, you know, it was yeah. seen that she was the one that was making the call. Well, I think we talked about this at a fair length in mum's episode um, mm. in that, you know, the elder sort of suggesting that Nan was unwell because she was too yeah. bossy, effective, you know, too yeah. too much. Um, and that if if, you know, if just the man could take charge, then everything would sort itself out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was that was the big problem. Um, if mm. if he took the lead, that was and that's that was the reason why a lot of these marriages struggled. And the elders obviously got involved in marital difficulties when they were happening in the congregation. Mm. So, um, and that was often the the diagnosis. You know, well, the problem is, is just the man is not taking the lead. You know, that's that's what yeah. is that's what was causing the problem and you've got to think so let's say these men take this advice um you know they sit in this sort of pseudo counseling session um (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) uh and they you know i don't know is the wife present is it just the man um yeah they would they would have um 
They would have the couple there. Yeah, so at times, there. But they were they would also have conversations just with the man. Yeah. yeah. But they would I, I don't remember conversations just with the woman. Yeah, um to understand I mean, I her issues and so on. Put my hand yeah. on my heart, I can't tell you that that never happened mm-hmm. or happens because I was never an elder. So I didn't yeah. actually have any of those yeah. responsibilities to deal with. So I don't know if I'm Yeah. Honest. I mean, from our experience of talking to people, the only times I've heard about women or wives speaking with elders privately has not been for good things, like no. not to hear their grievances. Um but you know, swiftly moving on. Um, yeah, so they will speak with the part that you know, the the couple or just the man, um, and say, yeah, the complaint, the, the complaint. You need to just take the lead. For me, if if you're like a very sort of strong, powerful woman, that it's going to be a, a complicated relationship in the when you're in this dynamic because either you want them to take charge because I guess that's what's been told to you, mm. and maybe you're resentful or frustrated because you think i have to do this because he's not doing it and that frustrates me or upsets me whatever or Mm. maybe you like being that person in the couple and it will now do the same frustrate and cause resentment because he's taking that from you he's doing it worse because he doesn't want to like doing it and you did it good because you actually enjoy it and are good Mm. at it you know so i just feel like it's um it's good it's a good way to create marital disruption is absolutely ridiculous you know yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous so the uh, and and this um, as far as i understand it it's still kind of the, the way that um married couples are are encouraged to do it so even if you know so the the acknowledgement is there which maybe that is progress i don't know that maybe the woman is more capable you know so maybe you as a wife are more capable maybe you you, you know maybe they're more intelligent than the man um but they would still submit to his authority because that's the arrangement of god you know but um, why exactly why and i'm not if saying he's making if he's making yeah. a decision and you know it's not going to work out why can you yeah. not go hey I'm I really sorry, don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Yeah. Obviously, you could say it in a more be... tactful way, but mm. yeah. Just, yeah. And I'm so... not, I'm not advocating that either party should be, you know, um, in a charge. monster, you know. Um, yeah. but, um, it seems to me that if you're a man who is aware that your wife is smarter than you um, and has better ideas than you, then why try to compete yeah. you know just know. Um, just the, just chill out use that yeah. wonderful uh thing you've got <laughs> to just sit back and say okay that's great i'll let you mate you do that yeah yeah um, you're good at that yeah. i mean my other thing is to say it's not bad inherently for people to do fall into traditional roles or to do mm. take more traditional routes whatever if it's your choice and you want to so I agree with that you know, we were talking, we were at a barbecue recently and there was a lot of jokes made about, because we said about moving and there was a lot of jokes made about, oh yeah, the pink jobs and the blue jobs. <laughs> um, oh, right. Because, yeah, because Thomas did all of the putting all the furniture together. I mean, you and Thomas did all of the lifting, didn't you? Mm. Um, you know, there are reasons. I mean, I don't think mum with her, um, you know, issues, like she's got yeah. some health condition. I don't think yeah. she should be lifting things. No. Um, but regardless, I think regardless of that, you two would have took the lead anyway um, with the lifting and that sort of thing. I mean, I when I got here, I did all the admin. So I set up all the bills, made all the phone calls, you know. Um, I did all the putting the stuff in the kitchen away because I like it to be in a certain way, <laughs> you know. So that is quite 
in you know those terms mm. as to how it was described at the barbecue pink jobs and blue jobs <laughs> um and it kind of part of me is like mm, you know because i was like oh should i you know go put a bookcase together i don't want to I have no desire <laughs> thomas is happy to put the bookcase together it will take me yeah. ages i'm not good at visualizing <laughs> Um, but I'm happy to put the spices away and he hates yeah. that. So yeah. that's fine. Like, because we've made choices, I feel like an equal partner. And if I did say to him, actually, can you sort the pans out? I want to do the bookcase. I know that he would yeah. and vice versa. If he was like, mm. I'm absolutely sick to the back teeth of putting his wardrobe together for the third time since in a year. <laughs> um, and he said, can I, yeah. you know, leave you to, or you could, yeah. shall we do it together? It would be fine. Yeah. It's the fact that some overlord group right. is coming in and exacting a one-size-fits-all onto mm. all relationships. Mm. Um, I mean, we've not even gotten into the fact of, like, the you know, the heterosexual, you yes. know, compulsivity I of it. I wanted but... to talk about the, um, the, the plight, and we have mm-hmm. spoken to men who were um, in the organization who realized they were gay obviously mm-hmm. daniel cox um wonderful Recent, guest we yeah. spoke to very recently but we've had we've spoken to others um germ um mm-hmm. as well a friend jeremy um wonderful guest yeah what what must this is what i mean about very narrow role for men and well and women obviously but as we're talking about men very narrow kind of ideal for mm-hmm. men and yeah you know there were there were men in the organization who so th- this is how the conversation might go okay so yeah he's a bit effeminate um so brother such he's a such, he's a he's, um what is it what was that terrible word that we stopped using i don't know oh metrosexual well, i mean we that? we wouldn't have used that term. <laughs> you didn't know uh, that <laughs> no as a jehovah's witness you might say that this brother is quite effeminate you know he's quite effeminate um but it doesn't mean he's gay it's just that he's effeminate and um you know there's nothing wrong with that but some men are just a bit like that you know and of course it doesn't mean you're gay or not gay it's Mm -hmm. just like and and what does effeminate mean anyway i guess it's Mm -hmm. it's the way that he talked or some of his gestures or Mm -hmm. something like that but again that's why are we having that conversation that's kind of what is that about you know Mm -hmm. and so it's clear that that was seen as something a bit unusual and a bit out of the norm very tight box for being a man yeah men like that again wouldn't be seen in the same way as your archetypal Mm -hmm. clean cut good-looking salesman type um, elder in the congregation. So they would be marginalised regardless of whether they were gay or not or, you know, practising their sexuality or not. Because being a man is not – you can be a man. You don't have to be gay just because you use a bit more of a flamboyant hand gesture, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very tight – like you say, it's a very tight box. It's, again, this performative thing, isn't it? So spoken about performing gender and – I suppose the J-dubs, it's just a microcosm of that, isn't it? Where you can, you know... It's uh, it's an intensification yeah. of it all, really. Yeah, it's yeah, very it's like, it's like concentrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that in itself... Uh, and, of course, that there were... Um, we know, and it has to be the fact, that there are... Um, again, we're focusing on the men, but um, male Jehovah's Witnesses who are actually 
gay who are attracted to other men and would prefer to have a partner who is a man but they can't because that's completely not allowed it is it is seen as a gross sin there is there are no arrangements for a man to have a relationship with another man mm-hmm. uh, a sexual relationship or an intimate relationship so that is completely out of out of the question and that must be again we've spoken to to men who have experienced that it must be absolutely awful mm-hmm. um so can, can we um can we talk a little bit about going out now into into yeah. the world? Is there so anything we else that we want to the, yeah. the situation? Yeah, no, let's go into so you've um you've left. Because I guess, yeah, we've talked about because um talked a little bit about, yeah, your changing position as a husband and that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, you get out. Where where do you want to tackle it from from the outside perspective? Yeah, so I I think I mean, obviously we've touched on this um to some degree, but I also want to to address something that's perhaps a bit more controversial, maybe. But when when we go when you go out into the world after being uh, in this very closed way of thinking about roles, um, you find yourself in this this I would let's describe it as a kind of fairly hostile, um, confusing uh, social landscape where now it's not like you've been completely deaf to the the conversations i mean it depends again which cult you're talking about if you're living on a compound somewhere and you have nothing to do with the world at all then yeah maybe you're completely disoriented that must be even worse but for me and for those like me leaving now let's say um more so these days than it was when i left i think um there's quite there's a really um, there's a big debate around all of these issues around roles and gender um and obviously feminism has been around for quite a long time now but um when you leave you're as a man you're trying to make sense of all of that remembering all the baggage that you've got um you've got to now find i suppose a place for yourself in the world in which you now live so you're now trying to take what you think you know about yourself and the world and you're trying to apply it to this new environment mm-hmm. the world and the world especially nowadays seems like a quite a scary aggressive place mm-hmm. when it comes to gender um and i think i'm one of my concerns is for particularly young men who leave the organization where they've had this view. So they've already got their own baggage, but then they're going into a world that in some respects can feel Mm. quite, um, uh, quite hostile to men. Mm -hmm. Um, Now this is, this is perhaps a bit controversial, but I want to just, just try to, imagine what it feels like for a man and i'm not saying we should all shed loads of tears for men or mankind because of course men have dominated over the years and i i definitely subscribe to the idea that you know women needed to we're better off now that women have uh forced society to treat them equally and there's still situations where women are not equal and we mm-hmm. need to to make that happen you know women still get paid less than men um there are 
the way that women's careers go because of um, breaks for for having children and stuff that that is part of the problem and yes those things we absolutely need to fix those things um but i guess from a from a man's perspective if they're a young man particularly leaving the organization thinking about right what's going to happen to me in the future now um i, I might need to, i might think about education or i might think about um career or all of those things and and the messages that you're getting as a young man are all about um or might sound like that all about well it this is you know you're privileged but you're a privileged man who has had years of privilege and we're trying to redress the balance so we might have things like all female shortlists for jobs and we might think about how do we get more women into this this sector or into these areas so because um rightly so i think we absolutely want equality of opportunity um i i don't see why we can't also look for equality of outcomes although that is obviously a bit more contested mm. um but i i think that for a man coming out into this imagine just being dropped into that conversation from where you've come from how does that sound to you because you probably don't feel very privileged given that you've just spent 20 years of your life if you're 20 when you come out of the group you've been raised in it if you've just spent the first 20 years of your life in a group that's held you down stopped you from getting education stopped you from doing the job you wanted to do really held you down and now you come out into the world and now you're told that you're privileged and you should step aside um because actually this is you know you've had advantages already um I think that's that's a bit dangerous. I I, I worry about mm. young men's way of viewing that. So I hope that comes across right. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I'm not a Jordan Peterson character, uh, but I I do worry about these young men who are going out into a world which is actually has some um, kind of issues already in relation to how we are thinking about um, about men and young men in the world. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, does that make any sense or am I completely off base? No, no, it makes sense. I was thinking about it as well in terms of, so obviously I don't want to just think about the, the, the negative as well. I think there are some positives to being dropped into the current sphere in the sense of um, gender conversations. Also, like we just spoke about men that regardless of sexuality, might not fit the masculine box um and for you know there's a lot of conversations about being a man doesn't have to be this and um breaking the connection between female characteristics and male characteristics and just them being characteristics of people um so you know that is a conversation that's happening and obviously i hope it's not being blasted out by other stuff um so obviously i know that could be the retort to that just people aren't staying around to hear all of the conversation but um because of louder topics Mm. Uh, but you know just to to throw stuff like that in i think might also still there might be benefits i suppose i think maybe the people it hurts the most i guess are the ones that do feel comfy in their masculinity or like you know they they're happy with being a man because then maybe yeah they come out and they feel like you know, typical by historic standards, man, as discussed, 
is not wanted I suppose so if you I feel like if you were not wanted in your previous group when you come out there's a lot of like welcoming you know so if you're gay you get circled in or if you're Mm. yeah if you don't fit the previous circles so Mm. you know the people that you said were kind of at these lower echelons of the group Mm. they get to come out and find their communities yeah Yeah, their people so I suppose maybe it's that it it is effectively the popular kids in these groups that come out (laughs) and then get smacked in the face and be like that is not worth crap here, mate. You know, it's a, that it's a bit like is, the, yeah. yeah, it's a bit like the bully at school who was mm-hmm. like the 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 mm-hmm. greatest sports and always bigger than yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. else and mm-hmm. had all the girls and that you mm-hmm. know that that's the best in life they're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they yeah. leave, that's not going to have much traction out there. But yeah, um, so maybe yeah. it is a bit of a you know you thought not you yeah. but like you know yeah, the yeah. these people maybe they think. Uh, that that get hit by it harder. They probably, you know, that maybe that is the one thing they took out of it. And they thought, oh, it's still quite good. And then you come out, and it's like, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a comeuppance. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 willing to kind of um, to to say that but it's yeah, not that to is say that all of it is bad. You know, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that all of yeah. you know. I'm just saying that maybe it's harder for those people like coming to terms with that situation because yeah if you've always been on if you've never really been the man before then when you come out you probably don't feel as much of an identity with it you don't feel as connected with yeah the man that they're talking about so maybe it doesn't affect you as much maybe that's a question we can throw out yeah um because it's i'd be very interested to get some yeah. feedback on this episode yeah um I, i've thought about it for quite some time and and this this sort of discourse um is is um I guess it, it it could be seen as controversial. You know, I want to make sure I'm not coming across as as if I, you know, I have a problem with um, feminism and with any of that. I'm very supportive of of, mm-hmm. of those goals, but I think you know there is. Um, it's just just a it's a fact. It's of a life, conversation yeah. we're doing yeah. a podcast. We're get, allowed get, to talk about things. Get people <laughs> out out into that world. Yeah, um, part of the reason. Well, part of the catalyst, I think, for this. I mean, I'd already been thinking about this for some time, um, but obviously, like um, we've talked before about some of the general men's kind of questions. We, we talked to to Riley Jexit about um, the men's movement, uh, McTo, uh, men going their own way, um, and I suppose the incel movement. And then, obviously, you've got Andrew Tate and those sorts of things and then on the less extreme side you've got people like jordan peterson who's become a very loud voice for or somebody that young men in particular have gravitated towards because he's providing for them a a vision i suppose of what a man um should be and he he takes it upon himself to to tell young men what they should be like um uh, you know, I, I don't personally feel mm. anybody kind of has the right to tell other people how they should be. But I guess what it is reflecting is a a certain confusion amongst young men in the world who are not quite sure where they fit. So I think the other the other writer that I would recommend on this um, or academic that I would recommend on this is somebody called Richard V. Reeves. Um, and he's written a book i have been listening to the audiobook of this he's a very interesting voice he's actually a british guy but he works in america and he's 
Um, he's talking about the academic achievement of boys mm-hmm. um, and what that is kind of meaning for young men as they as they grow up. Just let me find a couple of quotes. Um, what's quite kind of interesting is that I don't know if you're aware of this, Salim, but girls are now way outperforming boys at school mm-hmm. across the board. There's some small pockets where where boys seem to to still do better, but in the main, not just in not just in the social sciences, as you may have thought, but but even in in the hard sciences, let's call them, um, girls are doing better. They're they're getting better scores at school. They they're more of them are going to university and they're getting better results at university. Um. So obviously what this means is as they mature and as they get into the workplace, they're they're likely to to do better and get better jobs and so on. Um, We still have problems with women's pay. So for every $100 earned by men, women earn 82. So that's we haven't reached parity there. So that's still a problem. Um, But there's a lot of stuff, a lot of evidence that says that boys are really struggling in comparison to girls. Now this is an average, obviously. So this Mm. isn't, you can't say anything about individuals. Individuals will be um, obviously very varied, but if you look at an average, then girls are way outperforming boys on Mm. every metric. Um, At the same time, you've got these kind of social movements as well. So boys are struggling at school and in education. And then, um, you know, in a way they've, men have rightfully had to give up some privileges in respect to their roles in society. Um, And there's also a, I suppose, a fear of men um, losing their sense of what they're there for, you know. And so you, you find that, um, that there is a, an identity crisis for some mm-hmm. men. Um, I'm just going to read you the introduction to Reeves' book because um, okay. I think I think it's kind of a good way to describe. It. He, he's much better at this than I can describe it. So he said he says progressives. I guess this is the left leaning people. Progressives refuse to accept that important gender inequalities can run in both directions and quickly label male problems as symptoms of toxic masculinity. Conservatives appear more sensitive to the struggles of boys and men, but only as a justification for turning back the clock and restoring traditional gender roles. The left tells men, be more like your sister. The right says, be more like your father. Neither invocation is helpful. What is needed is a positive vision of masculinity that is compatible with gender equality. As a conscientious objector in the culture wars, I hope to have provided an assessment of the condition of boys and men that can attract broad support. So he's the, the point as well he's making is that there are some sort of genetic predispositions that are different in men and women. For instance, you know, men are by far more violent than women. So boys are more violent than girls. Mm-hmm. Um, they also develop more slowly, which is why he says girls do better than boys because actually by the time um boys catch up to girls they're like in their 20s essentially Mm. in terms of intelligence and also ability to sit still and concentrate and the point he makes is that when we 
um, held back women, which society's done that for hundreds of years. Uh, we held back women from going into education and higher education because it was considered, well, women are going to be wives and mothers and so on. Um, as soon as we took that away, what we started to notice is that girls are much better than boys at, in general, at that sort of thing. And then that's partly because boys develop more slowly. There are some physical changes that happen in the brain that takes longer for, for men than it does for women. Um, the things that we reward in academia, of course, are concentrating, sitting still, listening, all of those things that uh, boys develop but they develop it more slowly yeah we still use a victorian schoolroom approach effectively don't we, we do which is which, quite old <laughs> which absolutely and and all of the things that you know um we do around schools um boys are finding those things more difficult to do yeah. but that was masked obviously when when women didn't have the opportunity so it's great that women now have that opportunity um and you could say, well, you know, tough. This just shows that women are better than men. Um, but I suppose the, the question there is, is that a sustainable future for humankind mm. if we're gonna if we're gonna take that view? So his um his one of his solutions, which we don't need to kind of get into because we neither of us are experts mm. in this field, but what he suggests is that we actually um should get boys to start school a year later. Mm. So they should be a year older when they start school. So all the way through education, the boys would be a year older. Now that I think there are some potential difficulties there, which we could imagine. But in terms of just the academic argument, it would mean that boys would be more on par with where girls are in their maturity. Of course, it would mean that boys end up graduating a year later. That's a year out of the job market and so on. So that there are some other issues. Um, but um, I think it's quite an interesting suggestion and at least somebody's thinking about it. Mm. But my point, the reason I, I brought him up is, is because if we have a world that this sort of thing is, is happening um, and I don't know, a 20 year old young man comes out into this world, they've already, I think, got some disadvantages because of the upbringing they've had. Mm -hmm. um, and they're now coming into a world that feels quite hostile to them in some respects. And do you um, think, so do you think that our issue here is that we're trying to redefine like womanhood and redefine manhood and, yeah. you know, how do we raise men and how do we raise women? And is so. it that we just need to raise people and good people? Um, or is that not? A viable tenable position because i don't remember being raised as a girl let's put it that way i don't i don't feel like my upbringing my raising was different would you have treated me differently would you have done it differently if i were a boy it's very difficult and hypothetical it's but a I don't, very difficult question isn't it i don't feel like i was raised like a girl do you know what i mean no like obviously there are things that you know i don't know you might not have felt as protective to pick me up at night because I guess you might think, well, boys are statistically safer. Yeah. You'll probably be fine. So maybe things like that. But I just mean, you know, in a lot of the raising, you know, to make to make a good being, to make a good person, that's ultimately what you're trying to do when you parent, yeah. isn't it? You're trying to raise a good person. I don't remember feeling like I'm being raised as a good woman. I just thought, 
No, that's right. And and I, I don't know um actually the answer to that, Celine. Um I, I'm still um mm. <laughs> I'm still trying to to work that out myself. You know, mm. is and, and this is this is part of the, the I guess the question of, of gender and um sex and all of that that's that's happening currently in the world, you know. Um are there genetic differences between men and women? So so Richard Reeves um says there are there are some mm. actual gender differences like the ones i've already mentioned so you know some really un, un um, not useful ones let's say like violence for instance you know men are uh statistically much more likely to be violent than women of course again we're not talking about individuals because there's always some exceptions to that but in a, on average by far men are more likely to be uh, violent um so the question is where is that coming from so is that only social is that only because of the way that we've socialized boys to be more violent so it's possible mm -hmm. that and we've kind of given boys guns toy guns and um uh, you know got yeah. them to fight and wrestle when they're mm -hmm. kids you know could be yeah is it and you know again we, i this is just asking questions you know with this um difference in development is this a set in stone this is just how boys are and they will always develop like x amount slower than girls or is it because you know i've, I've heard the argument before that boys will be boys so they're allowed yeah. to mess about or they're allowed to you know play around or fidget or whatever because oh mm. it's just being boys That's right. and the girls will be you know if they're being loud and um you know if they're being a bit obnoxious don't be bossy stop that be quiet you know that's an argument that's been made so they've learned potentially at an earlier age to not be annoying or to be quiet to you know so and so on and and that's another argument i don't know yeah. if he's looked into that and considered that yeah um, i mean it is it is possible that a, a lot of it is socialized um, or socialization um mm. um i guess you know I think I probably, um, so if I'd had a little boy, if I'd had a son, mm -hmm. I can imagine, you know, kind of wrestling with the little kid on the floor and, you know, play fighting and those we sorts of things. We did rough and tumble. We did do rough and tumble, yeah. That so was my favourite. I used to love rough and tumble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I did consciously want to just give you the best um, – mm -hmm um life i could and i don't think i thought i i didn't think oh this is what girls you know when i was growing up we had that that little rhyme mm -hmm. you know this is what little boys are made of mm. uh, boys are made of what is it um uh, girls are made of puppy dog tails and oh, oh, all those yeah, sorts yeah. of like i can't QC, remember QC. What it is. yeah mm. whereas i can't remember what boys were but anyway it, but again so these are the messages that that but i suppose the the um the argument maybe partly against that is that ultimately we are social animals and so if you look at social other social animals like chimpanzees mm. close re relative um and you know even canines and um big cats and uh, all, all the mammals i suppose that men that the males tend to be the ones who fight for dominance and um mm -hmm. so there's there seems to be they're more likely to be the violent one um in terms of um fighting for dominance although obviously the females will also fight um for various reasons for protection of their young mm. in particular um 
it's hard to draw some parallels yes so mm-hmm. it is a very good question i don't know is the answer to that um i think it's contentious still um but i think it's just interesting to have a voice talking about that mm-hmm. and, and what i like about him is he's not you know he's not coming at this from the perspective of you know we need to go back to some mm-hmm. prior time when men were were men and all no. of that sort of thing which i think you do get quite a lot from from some of the commentators on yeah. that and i can under- understand the desire for it to be like a just like a change to the educational system or something like because that, that you can put that in place and it will just be happening do you know what i yeah. mean whereas me yeah. saying I think maybe we should just be raising children to be good people regardless of mm. gender and that we shouldn't raise, you know, good, strong boys and, yeah. you know, women of whatever characteristic you're, you know, maybe we should just be raising good people. It's obviously an inter- like pretty much a worldwide cultural shift. So I'm not exactly suggesting an easy thing, am I? So I can obviously understand the uh, desire to put, structures in place yeah that that would that would be a sort of fairly simple yeah (laughs) not actually simple because i think it's very unlikely to ever happen yeah exactly yeah um, but you know it's not that we don't think it's tenable but you know i can understand the draw of yeah we just need to change some Mm. of the way we you know some of the structures some of the infrastructural ways that we do things yeah that is obviously i would argue is it that would be easier to put in place than yeah, literally, it, a cultural shift amongst pretty much absolutely. Everybody. I mean, it, it's it's a bit obviously. It's very, um, it's it's just the other way round mm. to the structural um, changes that we've tried to make to mm-hmm. give women more opportunity. So you know, mm-hmm. um, how do we how do we get more women in the workplace? How do we um, stop? Um, boardrooms just being dominated by middle-aged white men you know Mm -hmm. well okay we need to change the structures so this is where the structural Mm -hmm. questions around racism sexism and so on come in um and actually this we have never talked about this i've I've bought a couple of books and i did mean to talk to get into the the very controversial question of um things like structural racism Mm -hmm. and sexism and so on i think it's a very interesting area um but just to define it rather than get into the conversation um, I think the thing that we have to remember with um, the questions around structural change, things like critical theory, which includes critical race theory, is that it it feels like everybody's being painted as a racist. But that's actually not what structural um, racism is. It's saying that the structures that we've inherited are, I suppose, based on what we used to value. So if the structures are still the same as they were 200 years ago, then they're going to favour a certain mm-hmm. part of your community. So let's change the structures so that actually everybody gets a fair shot. So um, in simple terms, that's really what, what mm-hmm. is being attempted. That that may or may not be the reality of how people implement it or feel about it, but that is the idea behind it, is that actually we've just inherited these structures. And that's actually what Richard Reeves is saying about this situation. We've inherited the structures of a education system that um, we had for many years, and the structure is, is still the same. Now we've changed some very important things, mm. which is around opportunity for women. Um, and what and to be honest, it was, clear, it was probably already an issue. Um, uh, yes, exactly, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's been highlighted. It's just been highlighted now, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I think it's quite interesting. Um, I, I did invite Richard 
um, V mm-hmm. Reeves onto the podcast. Um, but do you know what? He never got back to me. It's shocking. just shocking, isn't it? Um, he's far too important and mm-hmm. um, big to come on such a podcast, I'm sure. But uh, I'd love to talk to him about this topic because I'm sure he's never thought about the very specific mm-hmm. experience of young men coming out of cults into mm-hmm. this world that he's mm-hmm. describing. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting, an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do worry, as I've said, I do worry about some of the young men that obviously I, I worry about all of the people that come out of these organizations um i i do worry about men specifically because mm. of the some of the the discourse that they're worry, likely to hear when they come yeah. out i worry that regardless of who they are when they first leave there is a chance it could push them into becoming the thing and that, and that's what worries that, me the yeah. most is that they end up then gravitating towards the Andrew Tate's of this world because they're finding somebody there that is giving them some feeling of importance and so on. And as we've said with cults, there's a, there's a turnaround where you're quite vulnerable for a period. Well, I could say for a period of time forever. I don't know. um, To entering another group, especially in those early, early days. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's, Mm. um, I guess that's it. Um, and it, well, to be honest, there's more and more and more and more. But I think that now we've done what we should because we've gone longer than usual. Yeah. Um, I what I would like to do, and I was actually thinking about this anyway, so it ended up being quite. Oh, should I use a, a fun word? Fortuitous. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Um, because I wanted to talk about um, do an episode of you and talk about fatherhood specifically oh, okay. because mm. I thought we have a father daughter podcast. Yes. And I don't think we have an episode specifically covering fatherhood. So yeah. I didn't actually dig too much into that aspect of right. manhood um, mm. today, linking in with fatherhood. But I think, yeah, just generally talking about that, because uh, as discussed in previous versions of the opening of the show, you were coming into yourself very much mm. in real time as mm. i was coming into myself yeah and um, just because of you know leaving at the time that i came into existence so i right. think that'll be interesting um and yeah obviously your previous examples of fatherhood talking about that so i think that would be a mm. good one um, yeah that's a, that's a really good one yeah, yeah. yeah we and you know what do that. but if uh if people demand it maybe we can get mum to come and talk about motherhood from her experience as yeah, well yeah that would be good yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two, nice. two separate apps on that. Mm. Yeah, okay. Mm. Cool. That sounds good, Celine. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's every, you, you know, you could... Everyone hype us up for it. If you want yeah. to hear that content, get on the, and, get and the on one, there. The one with your mum would mm-hmm. be great because I could actually have a rest. I know. I Because um, I've never uh, – it's always been me on the podcast. It would be mm-hmm. great just to disappear for an episode and mm-hmm. let you and mum – talk about that topic because i I think that'd be really interesting maybe we do do. motherhood Mm. first okay Mm. yeah sounds good right all right well thank you for listening everybody i hope you found that interesting as always um please reach out and talk to us um it'd Mm -hmm. be great if you uh, rated and Mm. um, did a review on the apple podcast if you Mm -hmm. listen on apple Mm -hmm. um i should also just mention um one of the apps that we uh can be found or has traditionally been an app called stitcher which is a very old 
uh, well, well-established app, as old as they can be, um, given how modern this stuff is. Um, but Stitcher is closing. So oh, if no. you listen to us on Stitcher, then you need to find a different app. Um, I've tried to make sure that we are proliferated through all of the apps. Some I have to do specifically and others just get um, done automatically. So you should be able to find us on any sort of other app but um of course we're on apple and spotify um all of those sort of big ones but um if you listened on stitcher mm-hmm. you're gonna need to find a new way of catching us mm-hmm. so don't uh yeah yeah don't leave us don't lose us and i would say as well um if so obviously this is a me and dad episode um as you all know we do a guest episode every mm-hmm. other week if you wanted to be a guest um, you can reach out to us. So I yeah. have mentioned before that we've had guests reach out to us that have been on the show. Um, if you would like to tell your story, or not even just your story, if you'd like to talk about a topic like we do, yeah. Um, but you'd like to talk about it with us, um, then please feel free to get in touch. We have a contact us page that um, is linked in the show notes, um, or you can just search for it it's quite easy to find or just a direct message on twitter to dad if you're using twitter direct messaging him on there is easier or if you're on instagram you can direct message me i am at celine rach yeah um we also have an instagram page a cool mm-hmm. hackers page so you can use that also mm-hmm. um and um exciting new platform um because if you're fed up with twitter like of course everybody is um then facebook or meta as it is called now of course i've produced a new platform called threads which is completely a copy really as far Mm. as i can see of twitter um and we we've already got ourselves on there so you can find us on um threads now so follow us on threads uh at uh, steve or sheep or cult hackers so it's the same it's just basically taken our um identity from instagram so it's the same now so mm-hmm. steve or sheep and court hackers same account mm-hmm. um follow us on threads and mm-hmm. yeah you can um, you can follow us there if you want to see the adorable rap content <laughs> then head over to um wherever we're putting that i don't know we head put over that to on? wherever we're putting that where are we gonna put that are we gonna put that on instagram we can put it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it on Instagram. Go to Instagram. Yeah. See see my new housemate. See. He's not living in the house. He's in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. We need to go because I've got to edit this today and it's got to be put up today. And we have some friends coming around later. So I um, think we I'm were quite good. Go. I don't think there's a lot of editing to do. No, there's one or two some... little bits. but Pretty um, smooth, to be we'll honest. Yeah. So thank you for listening, everyone. It's lovely to uh, have the opportunity to talk mm-hmm. to you all and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.